Bomboozle. Ah! This week on Atari ST. I gotta let, stop letting you read this opening. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to the Atari ST show. Your good buddy, your good pal, amigo Aaron, joined by a man fresh, fresh to the show, a fresh-faced, baby-faced man. Look at him. It's the brand, everybody. Hey, you, you know, Aaron, that opening is just sounds exactly like you're trying to do an ARG show. Oh, yeah, there you go. You know, I wanted to ask uh, the brand. Now, this is your. I don't think you ever have you ever been on the Atari ST show until this week. I don't think you ever have. Um, and I'll tell you why I think that it's because you the various messages you sent me going, how do I make these work? No, I <laughs> I, I have definitely uh, played stuff on the ST before, and yeah. the emulator on those things are always trash. No, this was I thought that the, the one you the one you sent me was actually really good. good. One. So the, you know, of course, for those uh, people that haven't heard. Uh, the our good buddy, our good pal John Bodokar Schaller, has had to uh, kind of vacate the show here, uh, and and the reason is John has uh, taken on some extra responsibilities, including uh, his him and his wife opened a brand new restaurant called Thai Fusion. Plug, plug, opening I, now. I ate at Thai Fusion yesterday. I took the, I took my buddies and and my kid over there for his birthday. That's some good eating. And you oh, hate yeah. anything that I isn't hate, meat and potatoes. Yeah, this was, I had the uh, pineapple, cashew, chicken, rice gimmick. It's, I, I'm pretty sure that's how they put it on the menu. Okay, so this was some good food. So if you live anywhere, would say 500 miles of Barbersville, West Virginia, <laughs> stop what you're doing, quit your job, drive to Thai Fusion and check this place out. It's great. Thai Fusion in Barbersville. And the, the decor, the, the atmosphere. Gets, oh, the restaurant looks wonderful. Yeah. They've got a sushi and all sorts of stuff. It was great. Yeah, that's anyway, what I'm looking forward to. Boat's been, Boat sent me a picture of him watch, doing five hours of dishes in the night. Yeah. And then Boat's also taken up a uh, additional responsibility in his church. He's going to, like, in fact, right now he's at the Monkey and Retreat. Out in Ohio, but he's going to be uh, training uh, to like to become a deacon, I believe it is. So he's going to be. Anyway, long story short, he just didn't have enough time to to uh, be in all these shows, and so uh, luckily, I knew a guy who had some experience with playing other computers, and that's my buddy, the Brent. Again, Atari ST, not a big, uh, not a big player here in West Virginia, the Brent. Well, you know, we have people that had the older Ataris, yeah. and uh, it's a night and day. It really is, and. Uh, Hopefully, at some point, maybe down the line, because eventually we're going to run out of ST stuff. I hope we just kind of spill right on over into some other Atari computers. Well, the ST it does have a pretty large ca- library of goodies. Oh yeah, I'm talking. And, I'm talking years and years and down the, the line. The funny thing about it is um, when the gears just keep grinding together. Oh, would you every hey, listen? Every sister going to hit the wall. But uh, the, uh, the the interesting about the Atari ST is for me, and it's always been like this. It's the least of all the major computers. It's the one I really played the least. Absolutely. I, I played way more like uh, Spectrum. Yeah. Even more Amstrad yeah. than I've played. I mean, me and you probably played more Auric before than we played Atari well, ST. And so as I've been on the show, 
it's I like the ex being exposed to stuff. I mean, you never. This Absolutely. is the one show I've got no idea what's happening. Yeah, and, and every week it's always or every month it's always something different, and so it, that makes it more fun for me now that I've got an ST to kind of fiddle around with and learn. You know, the I would say the, is the ST the most elegant computer person? No, but I mean this we we did a show one time Amiga versus Atari ST, uh, and when we both studied up on it. The ST is underserved when it comes to respect. Well, Dapplet's name because of what they brought to the table, which was an incredible experience at a reasonable price, which is something Amiga couldn't do early on. It was right. the price difference was unbelievable. Yeah, and so you you learn to respect that a little more when you understand the backstory behind you know what was happening in the eighties. That's something lost in a modern audience. Who didn't grow up with this stuff? They don't think about all oh, what, how much did it cost, and what could it do compared to cost effectiveness, and how much software was available. It's something else early on, the Atari ST had a lot more software Absolutely. than the Amiga. So, and of course, I love the Amiga too, uh, but I learned to respect the Atari ST because of what they brought to the table. Well, and in the modern in the modern setting. Even the emulation for the ST, uh, the one you you sent me is actually not one I had checked out before. Yeah, uh, it's lackluster. I, I really feel it's lackluster. I feel like they could uh, add a lot of polish to it and make it a lot smooth, uh, a smoother experience. Now, the one you sent me, uh, I believe, was Atari, uh, uh, something like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, much better, much oh, yeah. better it's than a, what I'd, I had looked at. Well, previously. it's also still under development. It's it's uh, it was very impressive. Of course, it played this game flawlessly. I yes. played on the Mister Two. Yeah. Now, let me ask you, Brent, since you're again, you're mostly new to the ST. Um, when you when you what did you expect out of this machine? I mean, did you expect something uh, comparable to, say, the Amiga? Or what, what no. I mean, because, like, we talked about previously, I have some experience with the ST. Yeah. Uh, I have a lot more experience with the, the 400, the 800 series of stuff. but The 8-bits. Yeah. yeah. And so, going from that, I was expecting a little bit better, but it's actually a significant shift. It's a significant jump better than uh, things that the 800, the 400 and the oh, 800. God, yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah. <laughs> but because of that, uh, this being my first deep dive, my first real big meaty look at one game on the ST, it kind of got my critique wheels spinning. Yeah. And I've got a lot to say about this. We're lucky this week because this is a game that you had actually uh, experienced on another machine, uh, which is neat. And we'll talk, we'll get into that. We might as well just go ahead and break into it, Brent, uh, and move on to talk about Bamboozle. That was the love theme from Bamboozle. I thought the opening music for this was incredible. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. So, this is an interesting game. Uh, yeah, it's a, of course we're, it's, we're doing a puzzle game this week, Bamboozle. Now, yeah, uh, you had played this previously. I had not. I'd never heard of this game. I never played the game. Um, just to get into the to the uh, basic information on this game. Uh, this was released on the uh, ST in 88, 
and developed by an outfit called the, uh, boy, I'm going to botch the way you pronounce this, the Wyvern, the, uh, the old, it's the D&D monster, W-Y-V-E-R-N, the the I don't think you pronounced the W in there, uh, and it was published by Imageworks, which of course we know them quite well, uh, and this is a game that uh, has a lot of a heavyweight sort of that contributed to it in terms of uh, people that contributed levels to it. It was programmed by a, a fellow named Ross Goodley. Uh, he only had one other programming credit on the ST that I could find, which was Gravity. But he has done a ton of stuff, including uh, a game called Sackboy on the PS5, which so he's still out there cooking. He did Worms World Party on the GBA, uh, and he also did Centurions on the ZX Spectrum and Blagger on the BBC Microsoft. He's been all over the map. Uh, the uh, graphics on this were done by Anthony uh, Crowther. Uh, this guy's been on everything. Yeah. He, he, uh, and a huge long list of stuff. But he also worked on the Amiga version of uh, Bamboozle. So he did the graphics on that one, which, again, that's not that uncommon. The game designer was a guy named David Bishop. This is another guy who's, I mean, th these guys have all done a ton. Uh, he was responsible for Overlord, uh, Wonderland, Global Gladiators, which we were talking about earlier on the Amiga. He was, he was involved in that. He's just done tons and tons of stuff. Music on this that you enjoyed was done by Ross Goodley as well. Uh, again, this was a game that got uh, a few ports uh, over the years. Uh, of course, there's the Amiga port, a C64 port, a DOS port, and hilariously, and we'll talk about this a little bit more later, a Super Nintendo port of this game, which I, that right there really, really, really surprised me, uh, Brent. Um, so, <clears throat> what is Bob Booza? Well, it comes up uh, pretty simply... As it, it's not like it, what I would call option-filled. Uh, this game comes up and gives you the option of how to control the, uh, the character, one or two players, and the two separate controls. And you also can have uh, two and 3D uh, versions of this game, which we'll get into that here in a second. Three separate controls. Right, yeah. Even though if you played this game with a mouse, you are insane. Well, I tried to play it with a mouse. No. <laughs> Ironically, that was the very first thing I attempted to do. So, what is this game? Well, uh, you play, uh, I, I assume your your cat's name is Bomboozle. Let's talk about the character you play before you actually talk about what he does. Think to yourself, uh, th think to yourself of Mr. Potato Head or Grimace from McDonald's was blue. <laughs> And, and had the dumbest conceivable look on his face. That would be the t the the character in this. The uh, uh, he is a doofusy looking moron. His eyes are his eyes are so big that you can actually see him. The eyes from behind. You can yes. see the back of his eyes. Yeah. Uh, he is one stupid looking guy. And another one of the legendary with a big old smile. Listen, this is another one. And I'm gonna I'm gonna set this guy along some of the legendary Amiga uh, uh, mascots. It's good to see Atari's getting in on the action here with the dopey, a dopey. I guess they just thought, let's make the goofiest, wackiest guy we could think of to do this. What were your thoughts on the the uh, the character here? Well, Aaron, I, I love in the instruction booklet. This is quoting from the instruction booklet of the ST. Yeah. The whole reason for your existence is to blow up bombs. <laughs> so that that's a... I mean, when that is your life, I guess you are going to have a permanently surprised expression affixed to your face. I'm, there's no there's no doubt why his eyes are this big. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Yeah. He, he's he's wide-eyed, buck-toothed idiot. <laughs> yeah. That looks like a, a blue potato. Thankfully, so, though, he, he he is functional. You never have to question which way he's facing. You never have to question because it's... No, you never... That's never a problem. Yeah. In 2D, uh, you know, the viewpoint, you can always tell which way he's facing. And in isometric, uh, which I played probably a little bit more of, but I played a lot of both, uh, it does help his, his form, his design. You never have to question, you know... Is it is he looking the right way? Is he walking the right way? What step did I just come from? Yeah, which is important in the game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially in the uh, 3D mode in particular, you really need to have an idea of. Where, and you're right. He, I mean, as dumb as he is, that you really the, knowing what direction he's facing is important. And so this does make it easy. So as uh, Brent mentioned, the docs. This guy lives to explode bombs. That's it. Which is a, that's a sad life. That's the whole reason for his existence, you know? Aaron. And so. Um, this game is a puzzle game, and the the goal of this game is splitting the levels. I believe that there are 130 levels here, and uh, your object of this game is to blow up every bomb on every level without getting blown up yourself, and yeah. also out, without going into the uh, what I assume is the water. Yeah, I mean, it looks it, it doesn't look that you're, much like you're, water. You're blowing up a whole lot of islands. It's for lots some of islands, and so. <laughs> Um, how? So, what are you doing? Well, you move in a. a the, this game's broken up into like a, a, a grid. Yeah. A, in the segmented areas, and so basically, Bomb Boozle guy moves one. Uh, I think his name's Lucky, but he moves one square at a time. And oh, I mean, you he you know that you don't have to move one square at a time. That's how he moves. You can move him one square at a time, and and then when you get to a point where you want to activate a bomb, you just hit your button, hold your button down for a few seconds, the countdown will start, and then you can. Get out of there! Yeah, then you move off. Now, the if bomb. you if you are uh, on a spot where a bomb is at, and it goes off, then this spell is killed. Yeah. If you're uh, if you are near a bomb that has a radius that ignites your square, you're gone. So those are and that's pretty much the way you die in this game, except for just going off into the water. That's not the way I died the most. How did you die the most? Well, I'll get into I, that. I, there's also a, there's also a time limit. <laughs> That's how that, I died. Yeah, the most. that will that will <laughs> hinder your actions. Now we mentioned there's that you get a two and three D uh, go at this game. Yeah, that, I thought that was very in interesting. In the three D version of this game, you could actually get a top down view of of the map. Yes, and that effectively is the two D version of the game, but more or less. Well, zoom it's zoomed farther zoom, out. Far, yeah, exactly. And so, in 2D, basically, picture looking straight down on the grid islands, as opposed to 3D, where it's an isometric view of yeah. your guy. Did you did you prefer one mode to the other? I I think for for serious play, when you're trying to figure out a level, I think you almost have to play in the 2D perspective. Yeah. Uh, but I had more fun in the isometric view, just because of the guy's goofy expressions. I thought things just looked better. They were more enjoyable visuals. You know, the uh, it's funny. Uh, I'll, just I'll come clean right out of the gate here. I loaded this up. You know, puzzle games are not necessarily my bag. Yeah. And these sorts of games, are, are I'm horrible. And this week was no exception. I sucked at this game. And I can't tell you how long I labored to get off the first level. Just to try to, because I had no idea what I was doing. And I, I mean, it took me 20 minutes to get off the first level. Oh, gosh. And one thing that I did was I thought, okay, I, I started in 2D. I'm like, 2D. That make it easy for me. But ultimately, I ended up doing better in 3D. 
I don't know why. Maybe I've got a better scope of the scene. I don't know what it was. But I ended up, so I stayed mostly in 3D. Also, it just looks cooler. You couldn't have released this game on a 16-bit computer with just 2D. That would have been mad. You had to. So yes, I, you could have. I don't, I don't agree. I don't think you would have got, I mean, it, I don't think you could have gotten as much action. I think 2D, 3D was the way to go. Um, now, you're thinking to yourself, how hard can this be? Just go around blow up. The, well, they, they, of course, like any game, they put a bunch of gimmicks in. Yeah, and I'm going to go over that, Aaron. Uh, you have your tile set. Yeah. You have normal tiles. You have crumble tiles, which allows you to step on them once and then they go away. Yeah. You have riveted tiles, uh, which no matter what happens, the tile's always going to be there. Because when an explosion happens, the radius of the bomb blows up the tiles, even if they're not, even if they're not crumbly tiles. Anything a bomb explosion hits goes away. Uh, you also have ice tiles, which is the same in almost all these puzzle games. When you hit one, you travel the same direction for as long as there are ice tiles, and then the next normal tile you get to, you'll stop, or you'll slide off the side. Um, you have like tube tunnels, which this allows you to pick up a bomb and basically drag it into a new position along the same uh, tunnel they're, they're area. They're like rails. Yeah, yeah. And that is, of course, used to solve different puzzles. Yeah. Then, the, uh, the, the, no, I didn't even mention how I did when it got... Because <laughs> you could skip around in this, and I did, and I was like, oh, my God. It was yeah, really bad. The, the next thing you have to worry about is there's three different types of bombs. You've got your single square bombs that will blow up the square they're on. Uh, you have landmines that when you step on them... They explode, so you have to destroy them with other bombs. Then you've got large bombs, and these bombs blow up four segments in each direction, up and down, left and right. But if you trigger a small bomb to blow up the big bomb, the blast radius doesn't come back to the explosion. And that's where all of the puzzle aspects of this really lie. Um... Control-wise, Aaron, I, it took me a second to figure out what they wanted. Yeah. Um, it is this is weird. A, this is a one-button game. To blow up a bomb, you <laughs> hold the button. The countdown appears, gets to one, you jump off the tile, it blows up. To pick up and move a bomb, though, it's a tap. Yeah. And it is a light tap. It's an extremely light tap. Uh, and that will pick up a bomb, and if you, you can pick up any bomb you want, but if it's not along the rails, you know, the, the tubes, you can't go anywhere with it, you just put it back down where it's at. Um, there are a few other aspects of the game there. I know I didn't get far enough to see them. Uh, one other <coughs> tile in the game is a teleporter. Yeah. But I'm going to talk about that when I talk about things I didn't like about There's this game. There's a lot game. of ice as you go through the game or, or Well, yeah, that's, that's pretty I normal. I will say your guy... Uh, looks like a moron as he spins around yeah. in this thing. And something else I thought was funny is when you get to those bombs with the rail, like these are bombs, all yeah. right? And they're, I mean, this guy's been diffusing and blowing up bombs. I would have not diffused them. And like he dribbles this thing like a basketball yeah. on those rails. Well, I mean, I mean, so he's clearly insane. He picks them up. So. No, he dribbles them. He bounces <laughs> them around. It looks, it's like, my God, you're an idiot. So, yeah, the, the, 
the the future. The good thing is you can you, there are codes in this. It's that gimmick level yeah. code, so you can go through and check out different levels, which I did because there's no way I could have gotten any of these levels. And 130 is a lot. Yeah. And it's funny. I want to mention that, like, in I was doing some research in this game, and I saw some people mentioning 250 levels. I don't know if there's versions out there that have. Like, do you recall what the Super Nintendo, how many levels it had? Maybe because no, it it's not like I played all but, the way I mean, through there, it. There may be uh, versions that have more levels. Well, I know. I, I uh, One of the things I saw was after, like, level 120, it starts repeating levels that are you've already completed. Yeah. Uh, which I don't know how that all works into it. But anyway, uh, there are a few helpers in this, too, Aaron. Uh, a few good guys. You've got Bubble and Squeak. And what these are are remote-controlled drones. Uh, you stand on their square and you click on them, short click, and it will allow you to drive a drone around that acts like you. So he can go over to a bomb and trigger a bomb that way, and that way you're well out of danger. Uh, the difference between the two is Bubble is basically a remote you. You can move around through the bombs no matter what. It's all good. Uh, Squeak is more like a demolition robot because as the first bomb you run into, you don't get a choice. It just detonates. Uh, there are bad guys in this game too, Aaron. Yeah. Uh, Sinister and Dexter. Uh, Sinister will walk forward and then always turn right, and Dexter will walk forward and always turn left. And you can't, if they touch you, it kills you. And you can't interact with them directly, but you can trap them over on their own little island or blow them up in explosions. And that's yeah. kind of how you deal with the enemies. They the sort game. of just lumber around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they, know, they yeah there's no AI. It's predictable. Yeah. It's normal uh, puzzle game stuff. Now, Aaron, I know you said you didn't get very far in this game. Did you at least enjoy the experience you had with it? No, I All did right. not enjoy it. And I, now, listen, this is one of those weeks where I'm going to say I, I didn't like this game, okay? But that doesn't make it a bad game. Uh, I find games with this frustrating due to my dumbness, and I I had uh, I I don't know if I just don't have the right brain makeup to play a game like this. It's at first I really hated it, but then I learned to appreciate what they brought to the day. It isn't a different sort of title, uh, you know, than than uh, puzzle wise. It was it was unusual. I, I mean, it, the concept of it is pretty simple. You know, but here's one of the things that made probably made it a little bit better than than it could have been. They had like an all star team of guys making levels for get this. Get this, Brent. A clue, uh, amongst the people they had making levels was John Rittman, Andrew Braybook, uh, Jeff Crammon, and or, and uh, Jeff Minter made a level, and, and his level even has uh, a llama involved in it. So yeah, that's his bag. Yeah. But I mean, that's a. I mean, you've got some real. I mean, you've got some real uh, standout guys there that they had working on this. Uh, I read that uh, there's a one level that is a giant uh, zap, like Zap Magazine, is the and then, uh, the initials or something like that on there. I didn't see that level, but that one was done by Gary Lydon and uh, or Gary Lydon, Gary Penn. Uh, so you've got, they brought in some guys to work on levels, which is a good idea. They have a lot of guys. So it's, the funny thing about this game is if you, like, if you look at just the firepower of the people that worked on it, you're like, holy smokes. These are some of the great like game designers and programs of all time. 
And so they had their they had a uh, play in there. Are their levels great, better than the other ones? Don't know. Uh, I because I was not good at the most basic levels that like a schmuck probably program about it. So I just didn't have the acumen to be good at the game. Well, and they actually used that that all these people made levels for the game. They use that as a selling point. Yeah, I saw it even in the box. on the back of the box. They yeah. mention it. They don't go into the names, but it says you know, can you defeat the great uh, great British developers and programmers? Yeah, so. That's smart. That's smart marketing. That's good marketing. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so you just you didn't have even when you well, I realized what was going on. Line. Yeah, I went through it. I went and I, mean, I wanted to see all the some of the levels. I yeah, not all the levels. Too many. You know, and I I I labored through. I I think probably I got just as a as be getting through it. I think I got to level. Oh, we're not going to make you say seven the or eight. Now. No, I'll say it. I'll say it. And I, I'm I'm not sure I got that far. Maybe six. <laughs> There's the chain reaction thing, and it's funny yeah. when you see it happen. It's pretty interesting. When I watched walkthroughs of this, I thought, you know, that's pretty neat what they've got going on here. And it, it is, it's a real thinker, this one, uh, which is unlike me, which I'm not a real thinker. Well, and, and they, they do some cute gimmicks. For example, levels after they explode and you detonate all the bombs, because you pretty much have to do it the way the programmers wanted you to do it. Yeah. There's no real free form or thought no. process that you can do. But some of the levels, when you when you complete them, the remaining land tiles will be Japanese characters or spell out something. Yeah. Uh, which, that's that's cute. That's a nice little touch. I thought you hated that stuff. Well, no, it's okay when... When the, okay end the, result, the end result is fine. <laughs> it's the when you make a big letter A as your level. No, that's no good. That's uh-huh. garbage. So here's my problem with the game. Right. I I like puzzle games. Yeah. Um, I like setting down, thinking. I do, sometimes when I get frustrated, I break down into trial and error. But I don't like to start that way. I like to say, okay, if I do this, that's going to happen. Uh and Adventures of Lolo is one of my all-time favorite puzzle games. Uh, and it, it is the same grid-based, move your characters around, interact with the environment. It's far more detailed than this. There's far more things going on. But I, from the beginning, I felt like I, I was a little bit at home on this. And it was just barely into the game when I said huh, this is going to be a problem. And there's two major problems with this game. All right. Problem number one, if you stay on a tile for too long, the game just kills you. Just if you do not move, for, and it's a short amount of time, it's like three or four seconds, the game will just summon a, a, an unavoidable wind, blows you off the level, and you die. Okay. That's a problem in a puzzle game. Yeah. Problem number two. So you think, okay, well, I can overcome that. I'll just wiggle back and forth while I'm looking at something. No, you can't. The time limits on these levels are so stupidly short yeah. that it is frustrating. Yes, you can play the level over and over and over and over and over. When you die, there's no getting back to the level. You can continue right where you left off. You have lives um, as well. But I never felt comfortable looking at a level, trying to trying to get a game plan together. 
That's a huge turnoff for me. Huge turnoff. And even when I did have enough time, even when I said, okay, this is my plan. This is what I want to do. This was a level where I was moving bombs around. Like, I want to see if this works. Because you, it had a row of bombs on one side and a couple of bombs on the other side. And you could basically move anything anywhere you wanted. So I said, okay, I'm going to try this. There was not enough time for me to move the bombs in an incorrect manner to even get to the setup to find out I was incorrect. You can't do that in a puzzle game. You cannot do it. And I was thinking, man, I do not remember having this much problem when I played this previously. Now, this isn't like a stick-in-your-brain kind of game, right? I played it on the Super... Well, the, the uh, Famicom years and years and years ago, and I just remember that... So I actually went and I found footage from the Super Nintendo version, and I put it right next to the ST version. And I said, ah, I see the problem. The, in the ST version, the timer moves twice as fast, counts down twice as fast, and is less time than the Super Nintendo version. So I think, and I could be wrong, but I think they realized that the time segments on this were too short and extended them for the console versions. And I think because of that, it probably was a better game. You know, just because you brought it up here, I've got a little port comparison here showing both games. There wasn't a, and graphically, there's not a mile of difference between the two. Uh, and uh, graphically, uh, of course, the the release on the SNES is the, they called the game Kablooey, which yeah. actually, that might be a better name. It's called it's called like a both. It's yeah. It's this was a real early. Was this? I think this might have been been like a, one of the launch titles on this on the SNES. It was a real early. Title. It, it was early, but I don't recall. I, it, I mean, I, I played it way after uh, but, the fact. Uh, uh, the uh, uh, K- uh, Kablooey is, I mean, they didn't reinvent the wheel here. They pretty much brought no, the same, same over. game. But you are right. You can tell by looking at the, the, the timers are different. The timers, you know, I'll tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to shed some light on this timer situation. Okay. Uh, especially when you I can, thought it was an emulation problem. No. But when, I, when I looked cons- into it. When mm-hmm. you consider the men that made Lois and whatnot, the philosophy of puzzle games in the, in, uh, Europe and the UK uh, or games in general, the difficulty levels of the games are, um, they're very memorizy. I mean, they're the kind of things. That, so what you're expected to do, I think, in this game is to go through and keep failing over and over, a la, say, your Manic Miner, for example. And then the way you're going to get past these levels is to memorize every aspect of the level. Oh, you're probably and so, right. And, and so, well, I mean, that's because we've got, I've played so many of these, and they often have these really tight restrictions that don't allow for anything. So, that, what does it do? Increases the difficulty of the game, increases the amount of time you're going to play the game. And that's no, it something, didn't. Well, <laughs> well that's, the, that's the theory behind it, you know. <laughs> uh, and so, that, I have a feeling that, that when they brought this over to the uh, Super Nintendo, Someone was like, "This is this is not the way we generally do a console game. We need a little more leeway uh, in a game in a game like this." And so that probably was why they adjusted. I have not played this on Super Nintendo. Aside from the timer, how how much of a difference was there? I mean, the grab he's 
taller. The, the character is taller yeah. and a little slimmer. They've got the game. It's set up on the on the ST. You've got your all your information on the right hand side of the screen, and the square the the, the gameplay area is sort of a box. Worth on the Super Nintendo, they've got all the information at the bottom of the screen, and so you've got more of like a rectangle to play in. So it seems like you get a little more the way they've got it done on the Super Nintendo. You get a little more action. Uh, on the on the uh, in terms of the field of view on the Super Nintendo version, but I mean in terms of gameplay, so did they did they do uh, anything with the extra buttons? Do you remember anything oh, like that? Oh, I know, I don't remember it that well. I'm assuming no. that they moved the rail button separate from the probably yeah. uh, the extra problem. And I didn't actually get far enough into the game because it, it, I think it starts at like level 35 where this is an issue. Yeah, is the levels become so large? Yeah. That you have to scroll the screen. You have to start scrolling the screen. And apparently some of the, you know, levels in the 80s and the 90s uh, are so huge, they take minutes to traverse. So you've, you've got, got that this overhead view. Huge, you bring no, up. even the overhead view can't fit the whole map on there. Oh, wow. And the problem is when your character moves, you have to get to an extreme side of the screen before the map actually scrolls on the astro isometric view. It's a little bit better with the 2D view, but not a ton better. And boy, talk about adding frustration to the nines. If you had to do, if you gave me a level and said, here, Brent, beat this level. It's like two minutes. And any one, any one wrong turn is going to kill you. And if you stand too long in the same place to think about it, you're gonna. It's we're just going to kill you because. And <laughs> you can't see the entire level. You have to scroll it and walk around it to see what's going on. And if you do that, you're not going to have enough time to complete the level. No, bad game. Don't well, do that. That's just the way. Listen, they they punished ignorance. Back that's in not the day. punishing ignorance. That's just that's just being cruel for no reason. You want to give me less bonus points because I don't do a game, a puzzle game quickly? I'm okay with that. If you don't, if you're literally restricting my ability to play the game because you want to have some random timer, mm, I don't like that. That really it killed the game for me. I could have sat down and had a lot of fun with this by turning off the timer. And if you go and look at footage of people playing this game. About half the people do use a cheat and turn the timer off. Uh, but it is not an option, at least that I'm aware of, inside the game itself. You know, I wanted to mention, and I, it's funny because I, I, I read this, and Dave uh, Vosser also pointed it out. Uh, this game was actually part of a very, uh, very crazy pack that you could get uh, that came with the, uh, bundled with the, uh, the STE, I think it was. Uh, these are. This is a game. This is a pack called the Power Pack. This was like a monster. Listen, I'm going to read some of the names of this pack. This is like. A, and I, if you see the pack, it's just lay, discs laid out everywhere with like game names on them. So like your disc would have multiple games on it. Uh, this the Power Pack included Afterburner, Black Lamp, Bomb Jack, Bamboozle, Double Dragon, Eliminator, Gauntlet Two. Nebulous, Outrun, Overlander, Pac-Mania, Predator, R-Type, Space Harrier. It goes wow. on and on. This wow. is a huge pack. This is like sort of a very famous uh, pack. We've actually played some of the stuff out of this pack. I don't think me and Boat Roy ever got into it too much. Uh, but uh, so this this was a this was a numbered amongst this huge pack of games. I'd love to be the guy to get those. 
uh, when they when they uh, when they came out. Yeah. Um, in terms of the how this game reviewed, Brent, it actually didn't do too bad. Oh yeah, I mean, look at all the stuff I got ported to. Um, Atari ST user gave this a ninety. Uh, Retro Archives a seventy eight. Power Play seventy six. Uh, CBG gave it a 74. The One gave it a 60, and ASM gave it a, a 58. So it ranged across Whoa, the board. Yeah, that's now, a lot of scale. We did get uh, one review here uh, from our good buddy uh, Pajaco, who writes, I've played this before on the Amiga, and the ST is pretty much identical, which I, that was my... Uh, yeah, that's they're real close. Well, that happens a lot. I'm not a fan of this game. Why? Well... One is time limits. The whole game is pretty much learned by failing, and time limits do not help. Yeah, sure. Give me a time bonus for completing the level quickly, but don't punish me for not completing it in the time limit. New elements are introduced pretty quickly without any real concept of what they do. Okay, bigger bombs. Are they two squares or three square radius explosions? Who knows? And lastly, the game's biggest flaw is that you trigger an explosion, you can walk exactly one square when the, bom- uh, when the bomb explodes, and you can't move. Yeah. But the timer keeps going down yes. if you set off a large chain reaction that the timer can click down a lot while you have to wait to move again onto a teleporter or a sliding ice floor steps uh, on that square, and then moves, teleports you after the explosions. So the game mechanics change context depending on uh, if the explosions are happening or not that is that something you notice as well that is true uh but at least they're consistent for an example if you trigger a bomb step into a teleporter you are going to disappear from the screen all the bombs are going to go off and then you are going to reappear on an unmarked (laughs) teleport square it's not random but it doesn't tell you where the teleporter is taking you that's really bad too uh, but it's consistent. Once you understand how it's going to flow, it is consistent. For an example, another example, if you trigger a bomb and then step onto ice, you'd expect to keep sliding uh, as the explosions are going off or before the explosions go off. No, you actually step, shut the, uh, detonate the bomb, step on the ice, all the bombs go off, and then you slide to the end of the ice. It's not the way I would have done it, but at least they are consistent in what they do. To finish up uh, a Pachaco's review, once you get used to the mechanics, it's not awful. It just doesn't fit well together. (laughs) There you Um, go. (laughs) You are way better off playing this game in top-down 2D mode than 3D. Runs a little faster. You can see more of the map. A fantastic concept that is let down by its execution Six out of ten. I think that's. Uh, I think that is an absolutely fair review, and I would agree with ninety nine percent of it. And I did look. I did look at a couple of videos of the other of the other versions of this. Like and like he said, it's not uh, something I thought was a huge discrepancy in terms of the quality. Now the digitized um, speech is cleared up on some of the other versions, yeah. of course, and there's a little more of it on the Super Nintendo. I think version. I read that the speech in this is. Uh, of course, this is one of the per- programmers. I believe of course, was yeah. it. Um, this was given away free in the very... Get this. This is uh, I, this is something I was surprised to read. This game was given away free in its entirety with the first issue of Amiga Power Magazine in 1991. Yeah. So that's kind of neat. That's a, it, it's a it's a wonderful packing game. As a game, as a as something to get on like a on like a, um, a a magazine disc in its entirety. 
That's a real. It's I mean, a good value. This is a commercial game. Don't get yes. me wrong. Yeah. And there's, and yes, we've killed a timer and we've killed something else. But I mean, if you're a puzzly person, there's a lot here for you to enjoy. And, yeah. the, and some of the, I'm sure some of the levels are cunningly designed because you've got these genius guys. Oh, going yeah, out. absolutely. You know, yeah. But but uh, it's just, for me, it wasn't my cup of tea. And I think just some of the mechanics let it down. I mean, it, it's unfortunate. Yeah, it was funny. I was looking to see how this uh, game did in terms of the other systems it was on. And this is uh, in the Amiga Power of 91. This was num- number 57 in the all-time top 100 Amiga games. That was surprising. Uh, you notice that it's not uh, in the top 100 ST games. And then um, uh, it was also, it's been listed in a couple of um, um, titles as being one of the all-time great games. I was surprised. I don't think I'd go there, even if I, even if I did like puzzle games. I don't think I'd go there. Uh, I looked this up on eBay, uh, Brent. Uh, I saw one of these available right now for 24 bucks. Uh, that's not bad. I mean, that's, that's U.S. And then if you are interested in picking this up uh, and you are an idiot... Then you can also pay the other guy that's looking to get a hundred and twenty-two dollars uh, for the for the game. What a deal! <laughs> what a deal, eh? So yeah. Uh, any parting thoughts on that one? Up an interesting title, a unique concept, but uh, I think it uh, it may be one that they just didn't quite flush out the the gory details, or maybe just us dumb Americans. And maybe the SNES version is maybe the one to try first. And work your way up. Well, I, I think that uh, I, I've said all that I can really say about it. I wish a few things were tweaked. Maybe it's just my, you know, 2023 mentality. Yeah. Uh, but, man, I like to think about puzzle games. I don't want to just feel rushed the whole time. Yeah, I'm right there with you on that. So, uh, again, that was Bomboozle. I, like I said, I enjoyed it. Now, um, we have, uh, of course, since this is the first time me and Brent have hosted uh, the uh, Atari ST show. Going forward, we're going to be the hosts, uh, and we'll be. This show will be coming out every probably about uh, forty-five days or something like that, uh, and uh, we'll announce uh, ahead of time the schedule. Uh, in case you uh, don't know how we're doing now, we are recording every Sunday at ten a.m. Uh, Brent, and it's a revolving door of game of shows. Uh, for example, next week we'll be doing. The ARG Presents show on good FMV games. Yeah, a lot of fun. I hope you tune into that. And the week after that, I believe we are going to be hitting uh, the uh, Art Sinclair will be the next one on the docket. So it's, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, we have, we actually like this format now because we're really getting I'll talk about a wide range of games. Oh man, we tons we of bounce them. back and forth, and it really is a uh, you get it's a, something different every week. Absolutely, it's a, it gives you a lot of unique flavor. However. We've got to see what we're doing next on the Atari ST show. Let's have a yes. look, Brent. And the winner is, bam, it's Black Lamp. Black Lamp, not what you think it is, by the way. Well, I, that's good, because I, I don't know what to think. I didn't either. <laughs> it's funny, I, we mentioned that that Power Pack. This is also in the Power Pack. Oh, uh, there you go. That's two in a row. And I just had a, I thought, yeah, I'm going to see what this game is. I, in my mind, I thought this is going to be some sort of RPG uh, something or another, but it's not. This is a uh, looks like a platform shooter type game. No, nope. it should be uh, an interesting uh, game to go after. I'm looking forward to trying it, and uh, we'll be uh, getting into that here in another month and a half or so. So, uh, again, thanks for everybody for tuning in and checking us out. I uh, hope you had a good time, and we will look forward 
seeing you again and for the next Atari ST show. And please, if you uh, can, join us next week for ARG Presents, where we look at FMV games. Thanks a lot, everybody. The Atari ST show is made possible by contributions from listeners like you. Patreon supporters help choose the games we play, receive exclusive magnets, and get access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server. Visit patreon.com slash Atari ST show if you'd like to support the show and join our community.